his true spiritual maturity is being at peace with people no matter where they're at, right? Living in peace with them. Even if you vehemently disagree, they're still worthy of dignity, respect, and love, right? Love of neighbor, love of enemy. I mean, end of story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. I have an absolutely full house today on the show. We have our friend Bonnie, who hailing from Austin, Texas. We have our friend Tim. Good morning. Hailing from uh, Pasadena, but moving this weekend to Auburn, California, which I didn't didn't even know Auburn was a town um, in California. It's a town in in every state. I think it, I think every really, state has an Auburn. Does it? Okay. Well, then there you, there you go. Uh, Tim, uh, and I just have to comment uh, because he's got his beanie on. He's got his big, big glasses on today, and he looks very. He looks like if Portland were a person. Um, <laughs> if Portland were walking around, um, I, I think uh, Tim Stafford. If now now for me, it, it's more like if um, if Wyoming. We're a person, you know, just a lot of, a lot of big I like space. that because so far you've pigeonholed me just to the Pacific Northwest. I was Seattle last time, I think. This is yeah. Portland. So Wyoming is a little bit more broad. We're moving, we're moving east. Well, I yeah, haven't but gotten that's... a geographical pinpoint. Oh, you. Bonnie. Oh, it's Bonnie. Listen, it's a no, it's a no brainer. <laughs> if, if Vermont were a person. No, I, don't I don't think so. <laughs> I don't I've know. never been there, though, so I don't I know. I don't know either. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. So we've been on um, a, a fun sort of conversational journey since um, uh, episode number 195, because now Tim has numbered them so we know which ones we're referring to. And that was the spiritually homeless one. And that kind of led us into a conversation about the future of the church. And what we haven't done over six or seven episodes is responded to um, email that, that we've received about all of this stuff. And so we thought it would be good to just sort of catch up uh, today before we dive into some new stuff. Uh, Bonnie's fired up on some stuff. And so next week, Bonnie rants. And so we're very excited about Bonnie's rant. <laughs> Uh, so just prepare yourself, prepare yourself, that's unusual for me, prepare yourself for that. We will smash the patriarchy, um, where it has never smashed before. So, uh, so anyway, so Bonnie, um, Bonnie is going to read the emails and we'll kind of collectively respond and they take us to a fun place about, you know, reflecting on the future of the church stuff and, and the spiritually homeless stuff. And so um, for us, this is all incredibly helpful, good feedback. And so thank you as always for um, for emailing in. You can reach us at hello at voxpodcast.com. Um, or uh, if you have very difficult theological questions, email them to tim at voxpodcast.com. Uh, <laughs> so he's, uh, he's very excited about that. All right. So Bonnie, why don't here you tee us up here? Don't tell us the name. Of course. I won't tell you the name. Yep, just no uh, go ahead. Throw it out there. <clears throat> okay, here we go. I just listened to your ramblings regarding feeling homeless. The ramblings, I think, is a compliment in this case. Absolutely. You know what? It was in quotes, so I oh. think she was quoting you. Oh, yep. okay. All right. It was or definitely he. rambling. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> you don't know. Um, <laughs> you, my friend, are not alone. I am hearing this from ages 27 from my daughter's perspective, to 70 years old from a new friend. Like you and them, I have gone from a conservative background to questioning through my own years of in-depth Bible study and teaching to a conservative seminary. And um, she said she went to Dallas Theological Seminary. That's conservative. That is. uh, To learning things there that made me question most of what I have been taught and believed. As Mm. a woman, this has been especially difficult to sort through. Mm. I never sought ministry. God dragged me into it kicking and screaming. Just the fact that God's grace and sovereignty in my life makes me read the Bible differently. The question assumptions I've always made and have been taught were right and examine issues from every side. Mm -hmm. I am now in a community where I'm encouraged to preach, but still hear rumblings about women preaching. Mm -hmm. 
Bonnie, thanks for your email. Thanks for emailing in, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Seriously. <laughs> Is this person reading my journal? Right. Um, I am now in a community where I am encouraged to preach. Okay, but still here, rumblings. I have a great pastor who was the first to tell me to listen to your podcast, but even oh, his views are a bit unclear on several issues. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my own rambling just to say that I, too, feel a bit homeless. Maybe there's a way in which we are supposed to feel this way, that this world is not our home. Ooh. Okay. So the, so the question is, uh, spiritual homelessness is actually a good thing because it doesn't feel yeah. like a good thing. So what do you think, Bonnie? Is spiritual homelessness a good thing? Um, yeah, you know, this is actually, this is timely. I was listening to Sky's interview that you guys did on the future of the church. That we did, I'm sorry. Yes, that we all did. And um, one of the things in there that this is kind of striking a chord with as well for me is that there is sort of this middle area that mm -hmm. people want to find comfort in the fundamentalist, whether that be theologically conservative or theologically progressive, but there's mm -hmm. sort of this middle way, the spiritually homeless way that a lot of us find ourselves in. And in my experience, I think it is a good thing. And when I read scripture, I see that. I don't see, I see Jesus, you know, having allegiance to God and to different things, but I, I really see a more of a middle path that's more nuanced than mm -hmm. the conversation that's generally being have like, that's being spoken about right now. And I think a, like from being a woman, like she is saying, that's a little bit tough because, and this would be a question for you both, but spiritually homeless in your own journey feels like a good place to be because it sort of pushes you forward in a certain way. However, I would be the first to say, if you're a woman and you're called to preach, I don't think being in a church that isn't um, clear about specific things mainly if women should preach and it affects how that affects you, um, that you shouldn't be there. That would be a case that spiritually homeless isn't a good, a good spot. Because I think if we claim being spiritually homeless on issues that push people towards the margins and we never make stances that are more like biblically and theologically inclusive and loving, and instead like our spiritually homeless makes people feel alienated, I don't think that's a good place. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if our spiritual home, uh, homelessness, I was going to say homeliness, just speaking autobiographically, <laughs> um, <laughs> spiritual homelessness, um, our wanderings, and, and this is what it feels like, quite frankly, for, for some people, because they're spiritually homeless, they take delight in ensuring that other people uh, feel spiritually homeless too. Right. Um, and, and we're saying, well, that's, that's not a good thing, because true spiritual maturity is being at peace with people no matter where they're at, right? Living in peace right. with them. Even if you vehemently disagree, they're still worthy of dignity, respect, and love, right? Love of neighbor, love mm -hmm. of enemy. I mean, end of story. So um, so participating in the middle way of Jesus isn't taking middle-of-the-road positions necessarily, but right. it's elevating uh, the ethic of Jesus and the, the practice of love, enemy, and neighbor um, to the primary mode of operation in expressing whatever beliefs it is that you have. Mm -hmm. Correct? So, yeah, so if our middle-of-the-roadness or our middle spiritual homelessness causes people... Because I see this. I mean, there's great joy in people who have deconstructed making sure everyone deconstructs with them. And, right, right. and, and there's an and anger deconstructs to the same point. Yes. Yes. You know, like yes. we've taken this deconstruction, but also made it like, but you have to end up here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't go back. Yeah. Cause then you haven't no, really. No. And, yeah. and, and that's where I get off the boat of the whole, con whole conversation for me, spiritual, home, spiritual homelessness was that there are, there are parts of both sides that I affirm. There are parts of both sides that I cannot affirm. There's practice of both sides that I can affirm. And there's practice of both sides that I cannot affirm. Um, and, and so it's, it's seeking to escape the binary sort of polarities that we find ourselves in. And in that case, I think it's a great thing to live in the tension of discernment. That is so hard. I mean, I've, I've had so, not so many, but I've had people ask me just about big movements of the church. Like I remember back in the day, the emergent church was the great. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. The great, the, the great. About that. Oh yes. yes. And it clearly, it was so worthy of our attention, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. That we're still, we're still dealing with its after effects. Um, 
But I remember a guy just came up and said, hey, is the emergent church good or bad? And I said, yes. Um, and he just, he, re, he refused to live in right. Paul's, you know, admonition about prophecy to test everything and hold on to the good. Right. It's just too hard. And, um, and so, so I think pushing people into discernment, like this young lady is saying, Hey, I'm mm -hmm. now questioning things. Okay. That's, that isn't a bad thing. As you say, Bonnie, that propels us forward. Um, but I, I don't know that, that when we get to this world is not our home, that, that phrase always throws me because uh, it actually is our home. And, right. um, and you know, uh, N.T. Wright has done so much to kind of reshape uh, a lot of our imaginations about, oh, yeah, yeah we actually end up back here. Right. Um, and, and maybe, you know, maybe our spiritual alienation from, from you know, the, the predominant tribes is a symptom of this world is not our home. I don't know. I, I tend to think of it more um, as it is a symptom of human fallenness more than mm. just the fact that, you know, we go to heaven when we die. And I, I don't think she's meaning that, but that's anyway, no. my, my two cents. Um, I think, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you say that too, when people say this world isn't our home, so like we shouldn't belong or this and that, I think regardless of where you land on that, I think it has a danger of making us then not... Um, seek justice or the kingdom here and now. I mean, that that's such a big part of it. Like if we're ending up back here, part of it is that we're already here as well. And so obviously there's something going on with her that she wanted to discuss mm -hmm. in the terms of spirits and homeless, that she was a woman in conservative background and, and, and a church where she's encouraged to preach, but it's met with... Yeah. Um, Let there be you know, rumblings. Who? Who? Yeah. Uh, don't let the rumblings. I mean, man, if you're going to wait till rumblings go away, then you're not going to say anything. They're never going to go away. Exactly. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Maturity is being gracious with even those who rumble against you. Yeah. That's, and, and, and boy, I'm not there yet, but, um, th <laughs> but that's, where would you say the line would be? I mean, I know my line, but where would you say the line would be well, what's for your her line? to go? My line is, um, rumbling time i've never ever never preached a sermon where someone hasn't walked out that's yeah. happened 100 percent across yep. the board every time yep sometimes even before i've opened my mouth Perfect. they're gone um and there's nothing i whatever um yeah. that's not even specific that. to you no so i'm like okay there's something i can do there my line is you don't i you don't even have to agree with me preaching that's totally fine too um my line would be if I'm treated with less dignity than anybody else hmm. because my gender, hmm. um, that's a line for me. Okay. I'm not going to do that. The other line for me, and, and that looks like um, you can preach, like all these nuances, right? Like you can <laughs> preach if someone sits on stage with you. Yes, or, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, or you can preach, but we're going to call you a director of something, right, right, not right. a pastor. Right, like right, right. So for me, because... It's not only me that's receiving that message. It's every other woman in the congregation yep. and every other child that's watching this thing unfold. So in that sense, I sometimes feel like there's a space there. You might feel spiritually homeless because you're the only person going right. like, am I, am I crazy right now? Mm -hmm. But in that sense, I don't think it would be a good idea to say, well, it's just this world is in our home, so we just don't always fit in. Like, I think that... There should be a line of justice seeking that we need to do sometimes mm -hmm. um, because I think that's part of making this world our home and bringing the kingdom now. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I've certainly had people walk out, but not because of my gender. And so right. I don't I can't speak to what any line should be. I it's yeah, it's tough. To, people don't know how hard it is to preach in the face of visible opposition and to be vulnerable right. and gracious and to, I mean, that's just, you know, so I can't, I know what that feels like as a man, but I don't know what it feels like because of the simple fact that I am, uh, I would be a woman, right? I mean, that I right. have no idea, just the gender disqualifies you out of the gate from even opening your mouth before they listen to what you say. Okay, excellent stuff. Tim, great contribution. Bonnie, go. <laughs> okay. You're <next>. all welcome. <laughs> next one. Um, okay, here we go. Um, I've been listening to your podcast. Oh, this is to Mike and family. Oh, 
Hey, so all of hey us you here. are the fam. Yes. Okay. I've been listening to the podcast for a few, few years now and have generally enjoyed the perspectives that you provide and the voices that you've platformed. Generally. However, excellent. Generally. Yep. In the past <laughs> year or so, I've grown a bit less satisfied with the content as um, you've begun spending more time critically interacting with various conservative personalities and hot topic issues that are mm -hmm. trending on Twitter. Yep. Let me be clear that I often agree with your views and agree that harmful practices and theologies should be called out, but sometimes it feels a bit too much. Hmm. I remember that in the early episodes, you would always say that your goal was to make Jesus beautiful, and I'm not sure that your polemics always accomplished that goal. Excellent. That brings, me, that brings me to why I'm writing to you. In the most recent episode, 195, you voiced some of your own frustrations and asked the question of where to go from here. You ended, or your ending proposition to yourself was to spend some time refocusing on, quote, who this Jesus guy is and making him beautiful. I'm here to say, do that. <laughs> There's nothing I would love more than to hear you, or anyone else for that matter, simply talk about Jesus and how freaking awesome he is. Seriously, what in the world will all, uh, what the world will always have is more controversies and negativity to comment on, and what the world will always need is more Jesus. And what I will always need is more Jesus. So, dude, just tell me about Jesus. Don't worry about tearing down the fences. Point me back to the well. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's my two cents. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, what a great critique that is. I know. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, whoever wrote this in, what a gracious and very clear a critique of this. And, and I worry. I actually worry. Um about that balance you know mm -hmm. because um because on the one hand i'm sitting and, I, and i'm thinking about all of the people that i know who think that the the dumb stuff out there done in the name of jesus actually represents him right. and so i feel this like insatiable like hey there's another way there's another way like jesus isn't this ugly um, right. but, but I can also see how that just drags us into the, you know, the, the same mud everyone else is rolling around in on Twitter or wherever else. And, um, and so that's good. I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? I, I, so, so my tendency is to receive that and say, okay, I think that's really good. If, if we've erred too far on that side and the polemics don't help, because part of the reason why I want to do the controversial stuff is to try to model, to be gracious and if I'm not being gracious or we're not being gracious, um, that then that cancels itself out, right? Who wants to do that? So I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys hear when you hear that? I think that's a I think that's something I really want to wrestle with. I think that that, that is a a great critique. However, I do think that by pointing out ways in which Jesus has been made, you you just said ugly. Mm -hmm. That is a way of making Jesus beautiful to kind of contradict those things show the truth in it so every now and then i do think that that is an important aspect of what's going on here because there is a lot of stuff especially with social media like we're seeing everything yeah. crazy and negative that the church is either doing or you know what politics are doing in the name of the church or all of that stuff like when we were talking about where the line is <clears throat> in the previous question i was thinking about how when i worked for a church and there were things that i wanted to push back on i could have spent my entire time pushing back and that would have become that would have become my sole position was just pushing back. Mm -hmm. And so that line has to be somewhere where it's like, yeah, there's some things that I think were really important to push back on, but if that becomes all that I am, then I'm not, then I'm in a, I'm in a dark spot. Does that make sense? Like then I'm in Dude, a, totally. so I think there's a balance there that is center focused, that is mm -hmm. leading back mm -hmm. to the well. And a lot of it is mm -hmm. saying like, you know, we've been talking about doing a series on Jesus that, mm -hmm helps people see who Jesus is. But at the same time, we do have to point out, I think, personally, that, you know, point at things that are like, that's not him. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a good balance now that both make Jesus beautiful. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like it, Tim. You should talk more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bonnie, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think what he said um, was good. I mean, I think part, part of what makes the podcast um endearing is that you do hit hard topics that most people in your space aren't willing to hit so um i like that and i think you approach it in a way that does make jesus beautiful 
Um, I wonder, however, if it's kind of like, well, two, I have two thoughts on this. Number mm. one, sometimes I, if I spend, I'm not a big social media person. I don't mm. spend a lot of time on there because I do feel like it's mostly negative. Mm-hmm, and so sure. then I start seeing everything else as mostly negative and it's mm. exhausting. Mm. But I realize that part of that problem is with me and how I'm spending my time. So I'm not saying that that's what this person is doing, but it's a question worth asking mm-hmm. of saying like, how much are we involved in these conversations elsewhere um, that feed into negativity? And so then we end up reading that into other things. Um, but I also think there is something to be said about for when I can remember in the early days, like you and I did a podcast on grief mm-hmm. or different things like that, where mm-hmm. it's not even, you could take a topic like say we did something that an evangelical leader did that was weird uh, or <laughs> a progressive person did that was weird. Something that struck us wrong and we, and we did a podcast on that. Yeah. And then what if you had an alternating voice even to yeah. come on and talk about that topic, but totally zoomed out, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like grief right. or self-care, something like that to sort of introduce another way around the topic. Yeah. In, if that makes any sense. I don't of know. Of course it does. It just might be a way to um, go against things that are making Jesus ugly, but then also bring another perspective to give more fuel to the Jesus's mm-hmm. beautiful side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I had this. I had this. Uh, so I gave blood yesterday. I donated blood. And because uh, I heard I heard you can lose weight that way. So I was like, oh, dude, I'm in. No, I don't know if that's <laughs> true. Like, but, here I go. Uh, I was talking to this, um, she's 24, she is Somali. There is a massive Somali population in uh, oh. Columbus, Ohio. Like, humongous, like uh, in over 100,000 wow. Somalis. Interesting. And, and, um, and so she, she was born in Somalia to her parents. Her parents moved her to Kenya with her grandmother, her aunt, and her sister, came with her to the states when she was 12 she didn't know the language she gets put into a school that are mostly somali refugees but the school is is you know because of funding it doesn't get the good teachers and the good administrators or whatever so it's a tough school anyway we get into this big conversation yeah because i'm I'm just stuck with a needle literally stuck with a needle um and uh and and she's talking about racism because I was just I was ask, asking her a whole bunch of questions, and she said, "You know, it's so much better here than anywhere else." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And she said, "Well, I, I have she has family in Norway, mm. London, and Belgium." Okay, and wow. she said, "She said the racism in Europe against I mean, it's you can't get jobs, peep taxis mm. won't pick you up." Like she just said, it's unbelievable. But she said here. The thing that I like is that at least it's talked about. Mm. Um, and, and she said, you don't know how different that is from the rest of the world. Interesting. So, yeah, I thought that was such an interesting perspective on some of these big questions where, yes, 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 there's tons of negativity. But yet that kind of reframed it for me a little bit to go. Right. But yet, <laughs> you know, where else could somebody um throw something out on a social media platform and then and then just you know then a, then a thousand other voices come in and say no 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 that's not how it goes um right. it's such a, so it was it was an interesting like as americans we're so inured 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 um so used to um <laughs> that the that this freedom that we that we don't even see it we just feel like it's awful uh, but for mm-hmm. her, that was one of the things that made it great. Well, it made it With, beautiful, yeah. Yeah. So, so similarly, I wonder if, because I've heard that too. One of the things that people enjoy um, is that that we're engaging, you know, real stuff that's happening, and they'll just say, "Well, you know, the church." So this big shooting happened. My church doesn't even mention it, or there's right. this massive thing happening in the world, and the church doesn't even. It just seems so out of touch, and I don't want to be that. But I like the. I like the idea of critiquing the walls um, from the center instead of just going out there on the wall and adding adding to it, you know, mm-hmm. from a, from another yeah. perspective. So, excellent, excellent critique. 
super interesting. But that co- that conversation with that young lady really, and she is vibrant. Oh my goodness, she. I mean, I was just sitting there going, "Good night." This woman is amazing. She is amazing. That's awesome. And um, yeah, yeah, living. <laughs> she just. Oh, it was so great. I learned so much. It was fantastic. Anyway, all right, next one, Bonnie, because we're okay. Yeah, we got to Okay, let's go. Okay, Mike. <laughs> yes. Listening, listening to your struggle with spiritual homelessness yes. really resonated with me. Oh, that's awesome. I am a woman in my 60s, and I have come very close to leaving the charismatic evangelical community for some of the reasons you mentioned. Okay, how in cool fact, is it that a woman in her 60s is listening to this? Yeah. Like that, and like when I'm in my 60s, yeah. I, I hope I'm that cool. I just hope. <laughs> I know. You know, because it's coming up. It's not far away. It's only 30 years out. It's too bad. It's too bad we can't do like a. It's too bad we can't do like a class photo with everybody that listens and have like a yearbook. I bet you would be a really interesting picture of. That would be cool. Yeah. All right, Tim, get on that. Um, On it. Um, okay, so in fact, I took a three-month sabbatical from attending church this year to face the negative opinions I had Ooh. and still have in many ways. The first thing God led me to do was write out my forgiveness towards whomever and whatever I needed to. Oh, wow. Some of it goes back decades. Wow. This cleared my spirit to sense the way forward a little more easily. Hmm. Your description of the web of essential beliefs, personal beliefs, and opinions also helped me a lot. In the end, I was able to catch a glimmer of God's perspective. After yeah. all, he never threw up his hands during all the years of bloody church history and say, well, that sure didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> With love, he continues to nurture his body, the church, in all its imperfections. Yeah. And that is also what I am committed to doing. It is love, the first and second commandment, that allows me to attend a fellowship where I cringe and do not agree at times. Yes. I can love my imperfect brothers and sisters and enjoy moments of the genuine presence of God in the midst of it. The love and pragmatism of God is what amazes me no end. Oh my goodness. What a phenomenal email. Yeah. Oh, but, but think about, I mean, so, so why go to church or why? And again, go to is the wrong language, right? Church is not a place, but why be involved? Can't you just do the Jesus thing? And part of the answer is that part of the Jesus thing that you want to do requires you being with people that you that that aren't like you. Like all of the one another commands that Paul gives, like forgive one another and comfort one another. All of them assume messiness and sin, uh, the continued messiness and sin of God's people to each other. And so, so to get to the place where you can actually uh, bless and receive from people that you don't fully agree with that that is the new humanity in in today's Mm. society right that i don't have to agree with everything in fact i could have some major disagreements with you but i can receive you as a brother or sister and i can receive your service to me as a brother or sister without having to demand that you line up on x y and z so that's the counter to like the when when you're when you're when you're you know wrestling with, through women in ministry as a woman you're like yeah, yeah there is a line there absolutely there has to be a line, um, mm-hmm. and then on the other side of that, there is this there is this other tension that says, man I grow best and I practice the way of Jesus most when I'm with people who just don't see it the same way, you know mm-hmm. what I mean and so so like. Uh, I'm such a big fan of of and there and that's such a, a fine line because the view that women can't lead and teach I think is oppressive and does harm, and so we never want to just say hey sit there and do mm-hmm. that you know for the sake of unity or whatever, but there's this other side of me and this other side of the the biblical teaching that seems to say, and yet uh, maybe this that's not the best example but I can think of a thousand others where I would participate in a community that was just um, not lining up with where I am. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, so I love, it's just, you're looking at me funny. So I, I want to no, make I, sure. <laughs> Sorry. And, and maybe that's just your normal look, but I want to make sure. So, cause, cause I thought she modeled that so beautifully. Here she is yeah. disagreeing. She had to take a three month break, but she's back 
And God uh-huh. is meeting her there in surprising ways. That's beautiful to me. Like yeah. that spiritual maturity, right? That's when we talk about uh-huh. the stages of spiritual maturity in episode 60 something, Tim. Um, that was one of the most important episodes we ever did because that right. is the Vox journey, right? That is the spiritual journey to get to the place where you can be around people who are nuts, who are nuts in the name of Jesus and still, uh-huh. still um, treat them with honor, dignity, respect, whatever. That's right. what you don't receive, which totally blows, right? From the people right. who disagree. Like if the people that disagree sat there and said, you know what? I don't think this is right or fair, but she is worthy of dignity and honor. Right. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I'm looking at you funny because I'm being confronted with my own lack of spiritual maturity. I, <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I so am not there. Like I just, um, it's not that I can't learn from it's not that i can't respect somebody it's that i don't want to and i know that sounds terrible but i know i have it in me and i know i but i have um i I don't know if this is right like a sense of justice like i'm Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i'm irritated that people and angry that people are allowed to act a certain way and so i feel like if i respond to them in a way that is, this is i'm aware this is backwards okay? <laughs> no no you're speaking for all of us no uh, if i respond in a way that is spiritually mature and is gracious and loving and kind then somehow they win ah and i don't like that and so it is true it is true i grow the most when i'm in gracious conversations and part of it is that i haven't had a lot of people that are gracious to me when they disagree with me so totally no i think that's, that's absolutely part of it absolutely you know, how could it probably not probably part of it but how could it not yeah and and i don't think that a church is perfect i mean i I even churches that we've been a part of or that we go to, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, this isn't 100% perfect. But I will totally admit that I pick and choose what I'm willing to go, oh, it's okay if they're not perfect here, but right. they need to line up with me here. Yeah, I, we all do that. And, and Paul gives us permission to do that. But mm-hmm. he gives us permission in, in in very few like uh, fewer ways than what we use right i mean so right, paul's yeah. like paul's like well um like they're big things uh but you know a lot of our communities agree on those big things and so it comes down mm-hmm. to other issues but and i don't but that's so good because i think that's true of all of us we all do that we all have our deal breakers okay mm-hmm. um the issue for me is uh, I want to become the kind of person that believes that love and kindness are not the opposite of justice, mm-hmm. but are manifestations of the future vindication of God's justice over all evil and actually come from a position of strength so that when I do confront, I'm doing it from my center and not my mm-hmm. fences, right? I'm doing it from totally. like, right? I mean, so, yeah. so... So I know you know, I mean, but but you the way you framed it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, because I think that way too. But then I go, no, no, but love and kindness that actually, that actually, that that is confrontation, right? That doesn't mean we're just passive in the face of evil. No, and that's just that's totally a mirror to my own, um, like I said, lack of spiritual maturity in that area. Because it, like you said, it, that actually is strength, and that is. Um, but but that you have confronts. stuff to work. But see that 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 maturity d- comes at great cost. Right? right, because because there's been hurt and there's mm-hmm. been degradation and there has been insult, and so that, you know, like 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 this woman is saying, she made she actually had to work on forgiveness before she even approached yeah. a place like that. Which well, I think I commend her for that. That's so that's huge. Okay, I do this thing. It's like a app every day, and um, let me rephrase that. You're supposed to do it every day. When I do it. <laughs> It's a daily thing, but I don't get to it every day. But one of the things in there, it's like a, it meditates you through scripture. But one of the things in there is it says like, and it, like you ask God a question, like God, do I have anyone to forgive? Uh, um, kind of an examine. Yeah, kind of like that, kind of a, an exam, but it takes you through a certain scripture or whatever. And um, I realized that I really needed work because about a year ago or so, I realized that like 
for a month straight, every no matter what the topic was, it was always the same person. Oh, wow. And I realized, oh, I obviously have not forgiven that person because this, this keeps coming up. This oh, keeps wow. coming up. Yeah. And I'm not going to be able to get to a place of kindness, of grace, of generosity, of strength and things like that if I'm still holding on and haven't oh, forgiven. Totally. You know what I mean? So when she said that, because it sounded like that was a self, she said to herself, I mm -hmm. need time to forgive people before I can come back here. And like, what a beautiful thing to even recognize in yourself versus Incredible. just going there and being upset and spilling all your ish out in front of everybody. She just was like, I need to deal with a few things and I'll come back. Like, I think that's awesome. Yeah, it just and again, the, all the disclaimers apply, right? There are times when going back would be the wrong thing. There are times when leaving right. is the right thing. We're not saying that. Right. I mean, we give lots of airtime to that. But but what a beautiful and that that was the thing that you know the dream for the podcast and the the physical manifestation of the community was that 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 mm -hmm. would happen. Yeah. Um, that people from very diverse backgrounds who are passionately committed to those backgrounds could somehow find enough in common in Jesus. So, mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, but, that's fantastic. So you go girl. That is, that is I absolutely love her. wonderful. I want her to come over, but also for, you could go or stay and still Correct. forgive. And you know what I mean? Like yep. that's a heart posture. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I just think she modeled that well in her email. Excellent. We got one more, right? One more. Yeah. All right, let's okay. do it. Hey, Mike. Hey. Three, three exclamation points. Nice. The other ones didn't have any. So this, so this is a good email. A good one. Mm -hmm. Been <laughs> binge listening to Vox. Oh, I'm sorry. Loving it. I'm sorry. There's been a ton that I've loved on your podcast, but wanted to highlight that I really, really feel you right now on being spiritually homeless. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling that and living that right now. Mm -hmm. We left the church we were at and are at a new church that who knows if it's any better, but we have no sense or belonging with community and are having a tough time making it happen. Mm -hmm. Also, I was listening to some older content from 2018 and someone had mentioned doing an episode on creativity. I'd love to hear that if you get a chance to put it together. Yep. Thanks for making content that makes me feel like there's hope in deconstruction. Yes. Sometimes listening to podcasts, I feel like all I'm ever going to do is question, be bitter, and complain. But when I listen to Vox, I feel like there's hope. Still trying to figure out where that takes me and lands me, but I guess that's part of the ride I'm in for. Keep it up. Oh, whoa. Okay, I, I just got I, I got just a little little goosebump action going on. At the end oh of that. Oh my gosh. Well, no, great. because. I've never heard you say that. That's because, awesome. Well, yeah, I get Holy Spirit goosebumps very rarely. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> you should trademark that. No, I, and Bonnie, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. I listened to the Future of the Church episodes. And obviously, <laughs> and um, and I, I I was so incredibly hopeful. I, I came away so hopeful. Now I don't know if that came across because I, I had a couple of friends text me uh, uh, from another podcast, the, the a book that has just come out called "The Myth of the Dying Church," and and I don't think we were seeing the church is dying. Um, uh -huh. Because for me, the church is so interesting, right? It's this, it's this human, petty, frail institution that is right. jacked up and need, in need of constant discipline and rebuke. And it's this glorious bride of Christ, according to Paul, that, that is unconquerable. And so if someone were to say, hey, is Christianity dying? I mm -hmm. would say, well, no. Like true Jesus followership is exploding right. around the world. But what's dying are some forms that have housed "quote unquote" Christianity for a while, and I and I'm hugely celebratory of the death of some of those forms, even though it's incredibly yeah. alienating. So my question for you, Bonnie, is as you as you were kind of listening to those conversations too. I mean, what and and this person says it so well. I I, I have hope. What gives you mm -hmm. what gives you hope uh, about this? What did you hear that gave you hope in all these yeah. conversations? Yeah, I think I I was I was impressed by all of them. I really liked all of them. I um and no, Rick was liked... not high. <laughs> I okay, <think> he was. <laughs> no, I I mean I still get people asking. 
No. Why, why, why do you think? Why do you think they think that? Well, you listen to listen. it. He, that's thought, that's who he is. It's the greatest yeah. thing ever. You know what though is that I, I admit I halfway through the interview I looked him up on Instagram yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, this kind of makes sense. Like once I saw his like face and like demeanor and oh, stuff, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but um, I love I liked Andy's take on things and um, I mean I liked them all, but I also really Skies gave me the most hope. Hmm. Yeah. Um. His really gave me the most hope, and I, I think because he did such a good job of laying out like global implications and understandings of it, I think I really tend to think of my own corner of what I know church to be or not to be. Um, but one thing that really stood out to me that he said, and Andy kind of echoed this as well, was that um, when he it was fascinated when he talked about that, like in terms of institution, the conservative theology might be winning but in terms of like beliefs and practices that actually this mainline progressive was winning and the reason why i found that encouraging not was not because i'm saying i i'm glad one side is winning over the other but because i don't see what i see is that just means that there are still people who are searching and who are doing the work Mm -hmm. but we need almost like a new construct mm-hmm, exactly because i've been in conservative evangelical churches and if you are questioning or deconstructing or more progressive it's not necessarily what you would call a party and <laughs> if you can still find your way and still be like no this is important to me and church is important to me and this community is a good thing then that gave me a ton of hope Mm. To be like, oh, people aren't abandoning this. I just think we need a new way to go about it. Exactly. Yes. You know, so that gave me a lot of hope. And I loved that. And the other thing that gave me hope was that within that, the one thing I love about the deconstruction movement, even though I agree with him that sometimes it's, I don't think it's redemptive or good to just constantly be questioning or to just be bitter and mad and complain, like he said. Um, But one thing I appreciate about it, which is why actually... I'm doing the translation project I'm doing is that like there's been a long history of we just hear things from the pulpit and then that's all we do with it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy when I hear that, you know, this large group of people like in this evangelical conservative theology actually believe these other things. That means that there's been work they've done there. Mm-hmm. They've done some digging. They've done discussing. They've looked up. Things. Does that make sense? Like it's not Absolutely. this passive. Yeah. Um, existence. Yes. So that really yes. gave me a lot of hope of like, oh yeah, people are still in this. I just think they're trying to find a different, a different expression of it, you yeah. know? Yep. Yep. Exactly so, right. Exactly right. Tim, what were yeah. you going to, you were, you were going to add to that. I was. Okay. Yeah, I, I was thought thinking so. <laughs> that from the spiritually homeless episode forward, I can't remember if the center and boundary focused conversation was before or after that but it was very close to it yeah. and then since then it's, i feel like it's just been a through like as i'm editing these i'm just it's just been this through line all the way through up till now of just all these conversations being framed through being center focused and sky even kind of re-articulated that in his own yeah, way yeah. with the orbits and the um solar system analogy or something to that effect where you know all these different planets from different distances of the sun kind of facing back towards the sun so I, i'm interested yeah. if you what you guys think about all of these questions that we just went through today all kind of exist in the same thing of kind of questioning the function of the church and the binary and whatnot and as i've been thinking about it i've been wondering is it because my initial reaction in my head was like if we are going to be center focused for me that's getting rid of the binary altogether and it's just not picking and choosing or arguing against facets of each side but just like pursuing truth and pursuing Jesus. And then you find those answers and it's not like not filtered through either camp, but just mm-hmm. straight from the source. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm curious if that's you kind of answered this earlier, Mike, when you said that um, question, like questioning what you see and that kind of stuff and how that is holy. And there are elements of that and pushing back that are important so that kind of mm-hmm. takes what I'm saying out, but I don't know. I'm just no, curious. No, no, like think about everything, that. there is this tension. That, that right, the tension. I mean, that is, man, that is the word that if you're gonna, 
if someone were to say, okay, how do you describe following Jesus in today's world? I mean, it's for me, it's tension, right. paradox, mystery, and process, right? I mean, there's enough there that I absolutely committed to it. Give my life to it, would do it again over and over and over. Uh, and yet you, you sit in, the, in, in, in all of these and all of these tensions, right? I mean, I, yeah. the, the, it's beautiful to be a part of a group of people that you don't agree with, but there are lines where you do walk out. There, it's beautiful to, to focus on the source, but then when you, when you begin to realize that even your view of the source has been colored by some of the, the, some of the places you're coming from, you know, mm -hmm. then you have to open yourself. I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. fascinating, like outworking. And, and that's why community becomes the most important thing, right? Yeah. I mean, right. that's the, the work it, work your salvation out with fear and trembling was written to a church. That's not just a, 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 a person by themselves with Thomas Merton and their journal in the wilderness. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, and to that point, I really enjoyed, uh, what, your friend, the one never thinks it was high. I, my, his name's escaping me. Rick, Rick. When he was like, I would train people to lead churches out of their homes. Yeah. Um, because that coupled with the other conversation that you had, they're all molding together in my head now. But about, <laughs> I think it was with Sky that you said, like, some of these questions now that we're asking, we just have more access to things. Some of them feel really dangerous questions. Yeah. Um, and I almost think what gives me hope as well is that. I do see a lot of churches moving to more of a house church movement, which I think just based on experience lends itself to some of these more feel safe to ask these bigger questions. Mm -hmm. um, and that gives me a lot of hope um, to be able, and, and you're going to have a group of people, you're going to have the same messy group of people with diverse opinions that you have in big churches. But I think in smaller groups, they're now just more vocal about it and you're aware of it, you know? Yeah. Okay. You know, you raised something about house churches and I got a, I got an Instagram comment on the Gombas episode because we talk about, we talk about church stuff, right? We called him Gombas. Well, that's only <laughs> no. because you do. I, I texted him. I texted him as we, as you were talking and I said, Hey Tim, Bonnie is bragging to me that you guys text all the time. She calls you Gombas. Now I haven't heard back yet, but. Oh, you know what? He's probably busy reading another text from me. And so he's like, <laughs> I can't get to my text. Now, now here, but, but, but this is relevant to the thing about church size. He says, uh, this is Nate. He says, a question as a fan of the podcast. Is this Be Nate Erie? It is not. Although you Nate Erie, oh my goodness, is he not hilarious? It's hilarious. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, it's a highlight. He'll write. He'll just write on there. Bonnie is greater than Mike. <laughs> it's like the funniest thing. Sure, that's the one you remember. Um, <laughs> that's that's convenient. Now, um, although I got him, I put I put I literally found. So he grabs my phone all the time and takes the ugliest pictures of himself, and yes, so I put I one of those. I put one of those up and he, he, he literally sat there and said, dad, how do I respond? How do I respond to this? All right. But this is a different Nate. Nate, as a fan of the podcast question, because you've alluded to church size as an issue many times, and this is something I struggle with understanding is attending slash sitting under the teaching of a large church inherently flawed. We talk time and time again about the elasticity of the, of the gospel in so many areas to justify interpretations we make with the original text in light of today's culture. Why wouldn't this same logic apply to megachurches as well? The human condition is the same, sure, but there were many areas where uh, we justify adapting the culturally specific areas of the New Testament. Why not also apply the rationale here with church attendance? Awesome. Great question, Great Nate. question. And, and, and just in light of what Bonnie was saying, and it reminded me of, of uh, Tim's, Tim Gombas, uh, his comments <laughs> on uh, the size of church. Uh, no, the the early church was a mega church. Uh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, 3,000 people were baptized that day on the day of Pentecost, right? So right. It, the, the number in America used by researchers is 2,000. So the early mm. church was a mega church. Of course, there is nothing inherently wrong with sitting under the teaching or leadership of a mega church. But what's being exposed is that the forms that the megachurch take and the value systems that megachurches often hold are rife 
um, with abuse of power, with narcissistic leaders, with platforming egos, um, with not caring well for individual people beyond their giving unit status. And, mm -hmm. um, and so if you find a large church, like there's a large church here that I, I'm thrilled that we go to that is absolutely phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. And it's large because God blessed it, not because of any sociological dynamics or whatever. Um, so I have no problem with large churches. To me, mm -hmm. I've worked and led in large church contexts enough to see enough of the pitfalls. that That's naturally where right. I'm going to be most critical. But no, of course not, Nate. I think, I think that if you find one that's healthy, if you find one that has transparency and accountability, find one that's holistic, that's not just the teaching platform is central, but there is, there is holistic uh, ministry and uh, concern for justice. And, and um, you know, that, that's, it, it doesn't seem to be led by just the agenda of one person, then hallelujah, go for it. Right. Absolutely. Right. Anything you guys want yeah. to add to that? Yeah, I want to say I, I agree. I don't think there's something inherently wrong. I think you did a great a great job there. I do I do think what we were talking about earlier is I'm not always sure that it's the best format and the best construct. This is what we're saying, the best construct for the type of conversations that we're having now. I'm not sure that the mega church model can uphold that type of interesting dialogue or right. kind of thinking on it. So that's just something to ponder. Um, but I also think that it's one of those things that there was something beautiful and we sort of ruined it. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the problem I see with big churches is that it works really well for a select view of people. And, but a lot of people that are there, it doesn't work well for them and they kind of fall kind of fall away or they're they're the ones that are damaged they're just sort of collateral damage so this is like a this is the image that comes up to me did you guys see this year for everest did you see the pictures of mount everest oh my goodness it's all horrible. the people it was off it was a traffic jam like all these people were trying to get to the top so much so that it was literally they were like lined up you yeah. should look it up you haven't looked it up they're like lined up up the mountain and what happens is your body can only be that high altitude for so long so they're standing on this mountain by the time then they get to the top their body is like in so much stress that a ton of people die just for the sheer fact of being exposed at this high altitude yeah. for a long time yeah. and so that's collateral damage of all these people saying no we want this thing we want this goal we want that you know and it's like now it's become this big money-making thing it was this it's always been this beautiful thing but now they've given so many people uh, permission to do the hike and to do the mountain. Now we're seeing this fallout of collateral damage. And that's how I think of in terms of the mega church. Like mm. it was one time, I think this huge thing. I mean, we had like these revivals and we've seen a lot of good come out of it. Mm -hmm. But then you have this thing where it's become in some cases, not all cases, but in some sort of this money-making endeavor, it really serves well a select few of people who are like, hey, let's go after this thing, let's do this thing. But the collateral damage is huge, and I think we're seeing that now. Yes, yes, absolutely. Timmy, your thoughts? I'm a crippling introvert. When I'm in a large church setting, I'm the person that falls to the cracks. And that's not that wasn't huge for me, but I can see that being something that it's just, for me, church has become the most important facet has become community and fellowship mm. and being able to, like, have those like or or not like-minded conversations whatever have those conversations be known be seen and be heard and i right. that was hard for me in the large setting and then they set up the small group settings to try to you know combat yeah. that but even in that yeah. sometimes there was it was you know you still didn't quite for me i still didn't quite connect with folks in in that larger setting and now that you can get teaching anywhere online and you can get right. it, it really has thrust community and fellowship into the forefront for me in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Setting. If you're, yeah. And, and it's, it's fascinating because exactly to your point, Tim, mega churches, we all know that this isn't the best place for discipleship. Um, right. It's the place that pays the bills, but it's not the place that we form and shape people best. So every, every, every mega church I know pushes small groups. Absolutely. 
But the thing that's so interesting, at least in my experience, now I'm sure this is not true everywhere, that um, that usually, and, and this is where megachurch isn't just a size, but it's a set of assumptions about church, okay? And, and we can get into that in a different podcast, but megachurch isn't yeah. just about size. I've met, I've met, I've been to 200 person churches that are operating under the mega church sort of right uh, of of uh, worldview or value set. Yeah, same. And and so what will happen very often in mega church small groups is the value of it's got to be the same experience for everybody. Um, so they invest tons of time in curriculum and in recruiting, and not a lot of time in raising up the kinds of spiritual leaders that you would trust with a small group of crazy people. Yeah. Right, because that's way harder. Yeah. You can't. You yeah, can't. Yeah, yeah. You can't replicate that. And so, what what we're asking for are shepherds who are wise and gracious to lead smaller communities. I think even mega churches would say, "Yeah, that we'd kill for that." Uh, yeah. But the the way that the church has been set up, it doesn't facilitate the raising up or the identifying um, of those kinds of people, and so you're left with trusting in a system of small groups rather mm-hmm. than, than a community of wise and discerning leaders, all of whom right. may not agree on every little thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, only yeah. found, I've only found one church. There's a church in Ohio called Xenos that it, they is the uh, – and again, they have their own downsides, and I, I don't know because I haven't been, but people have commented. But, but they – like their elders are the house church leaders, Oh, and, and, and the, and the house church leaders have individual shepherding plans for like everybody in their house church. And it was like, it's like totally, if you're a like campus crusade for Christ or crew now, or like navigators, remember you would have these boxes that you'd have yeah. to like, you have to have to do these lessons and teach these skills. It's that person's dream. It was like so unbelievably <laughs> organized, but they took it so seriously and that was the most serious i've ever been around and i'm sure there are loads of these but i just haven't seen them um uh the most serious community i've ever found about raising up good discerning gracious people to lead small groups because mm. mm-hmm. i'm in for that i am absolutely yeah. in for that i'm not in for hey here's the curriculum the whole church is doing right yeah <laughs> yeah or even in your small group like let's all just respond to what right like answer these five questions. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, that doesn't take a ton of <laughs> discernment to do. So what's so what is this text saying to you, Bonnie? Um, yeah, it, that stuff. <laughs> I, I think that stuff, thankfully, is is uh, eroding in its ability to uh, affect people. Um, okay, so Nate. Anyway, that's a bonus, man. That was a bonus question we snuck in there at the end. Yeah, Box we did. community. Now I know these aren't. At least I, I assume. Well, may I shouldn't make this assumption. What I was going to say is, hey, I assume that these aren't the most riveting episodes because we're not just chewing on one topic and marinating or whatever. But I just think it's so important to hear good and bad affirmations from the community because yeah. uh, we really respect your opinion. We really do. And so thank mm-hmm. you for this. And I have friends from California knocking at our door. So I have to go right now. Absolutely. Like this moment. Like this moment, you're late. Like, well... Justy, my sweet Justy Bear was supposed to be here, but she took the kids to get their haircut. And then, of course, because the haircut place is next to Chipotle, they have to stop to get Chipotle. <laughs> they better bring you. You know something. what I'm saying? So they they did. Nate, Nate offered. Okay. So in that sense, it's okay. But let me wrap up by just simply saying to the community again, thank you. Uh, this has been such a joy and so rewarding. Uh, we dropped a bonus episode uh, that was a sermon, and I had all sorts of questions about it, and literally the feedback has been overwhelming that that was a good thing. So, um, so Tim, great job. I'm wrong again. And, um, you know. You, do, you should do that. You have a lot of good sermons under your belt. Well, you know, one person actually said, hey, you know, and I remember when uh, Bible Project did this, they found a bunch of Tim Mackey old sermons, and they did a separate yeah. stream. Um, oh, and I've thought about Bonnie. I've thought about doing a more disciple-y stream of the Vox podcast. That's like interesting. Yeah, you know, like going through the book of Mark. Um, oh yeah. And just going, hey, let's let's like like have this be the place where we're doing the cultural stuff, and then right. and then we have this beautiful place where, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to like just focus on the Jesus stuff. 
but but I think there's something about doing both too that's pretty cool. So I don't know. All that is to say, brothers and sisters, thank you, thank you, Bonnie, for your time. <laughs> thank you, Tim, for your time. You guys are awesome. I gotta go answer the door. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And in these days, give you peace. Amen. Bye.